Welcome to a new episode of NY Just Fans with your host, Davin and Kyle. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Just Fans Podcast as we come to y'all with a new episode. Um, right now, we have a special guest with us. Um, he has joined us before, but it's always a pleasure and it's always, you know, welcome feeling to have Connor Rogers with us. Connor, how you feeling today? Good, guys. What's going on? Always good to talk to you. And I know it's a a quiet time of year for the Jets, but a good time to reset and, and kind of look at everything going on in the world right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. First question is, we heard last week that Morgan Moses and the Jets was working on a multi-year deal, but this week everything just died down. Do you have any update on what's going on with that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and, and I don't have an exact update, and I think that you know, looking at the wording of the report from ESPN, my initial reaction was that this is still ongoing, right? I think a lot of people took it understandably as, you know, the Jets are nearing an agreement or finalizing a deal. And, and I don't really think that was the case here. I think it was more so they've shown a lot of interest in him. They've obviously had discussions. He's a player that at 30 years old, typically – I mean, truly in his prime, let's make that clear. A lot right. of guys like him don't find themselves on the free agent market at this point of the offseason. That's just the reality of the situation. And what I, what I mean by that is he's not somebody that you take a one-year swing on typically unless he wants to bet on himself and open his free agency door next year. He, he's, a, he's a player that can be a cornerstone for the next two to three years and maybe even longer. We've seen offensive tackles age well in this league you look at a guy like Andrew Whitworth that's going to be playing at 40 years old and that's an outlier but Morgan Moses is in his prime at 30 years old he he hasn't missed a start uh he's been you know he's been a starter I think the last six years I think he's he hasn't missed a start he's gotten better at the position he's a, a mauling right tackle he's filled in at left tackle he's gotten a lot better in pass protection he's not perfect in pass protection but he's gotten a lot better he's such a tough guy in the run game and quietly, he's probably a top 12 right tackle in the NFL right now that more importantly is ascending. He's somebody. So I think when I saw that report that said, you know, a multi-year deal, well, that just tells me that's what his party expects and, and they deserve. I think he's not somebody that needs to take a flyer on a one-year deal. Like if, if Brian Poole gets, you know, re-signed or ends up somewhere, that's a guy that just, it seems like he'll have to take a one-year deal and try to prove his market again, that he's healthy. It's a different market, but for Moses, he's a legitimate player. And I think I look at that tweet and say, well, you know, he's somebody that the agents clearly want a multi-year deal. They clearly want to find some leverage. But to be honest with you guys, it's a tough time of year to find leverage. A lot of teams spent their money. A lot of teams promised guys starting roles. A lot of teams have wrapped minicamp and already worked with these guys in starting roles. So if this is, this is a non-update, but to more clarity here, He's someone that I think the Jets obviously make a lot of sense because he would upgrade their right tackle spot. I know a lot of people are interested in him playing right guard. I don't know why he would go to a place and do that unless he just got paid an absurd amount of money. He, he's a good right tackle that should not change positions. And I think at that point, it felt like maybe his representation, and this is a, a hypothesis or a guess, not, not definitely proven fact, they're trying to just increase his market and get some money up in a time where it's a bad time to be a free agent. Yeah. Um, before you go to your question, Kyle, just one more about that situation. Um, so we, we had it like me and plenty of fans had a debate over uh, Morgan Moses. If he was to sign with the Jets, will he, will him and Fair battle, battle it out for that position or how would that work out? You know, if you get him to come into the building, I think you're guaranteeing him a starting job. And, you know, that's the thing that a lot of fans don't get to see behind the closed doors during these free agency contract talks. You're, and I believe he visited the Jets facility. So they've outlined plans for him. When a guy visits a facility, you know, you want to get a feel if it's somewhere you want to be. But you also get to meet with staff and they talk about how they want to use you. So I don't think Morgan Moses is a player that's going in saying, man, I got to fight for my starting job. I think he'd be entrenched as the right tackle. Now the question becomes, you know, are you going to pay George Fan over $10 million to be the swing tackle? Now, I know a lot of people look at that. I know some reporters have looked at that. I, that doesn't really bother me personally. The Jets are not a team crunched for money. They, quite frankly, the swing tackle on the Jets might be more important than a lot of other places because you have Mekhi Becton that's 
nursed injuries throughout his rookie season and is now nursing a foot injury in the offseason, where realistically, if you're just preparing for how life in the NFL goes, George Fant as a swing tackle is probably going to be starting some games this year or, or pinching in and, and, you know, helping out. So I think when you look at it, Moses would be the starting right tackle. Fant would be the swing tackle. Right guard would still probably be GVR battling it out with Alex Lewis and Cam Clark. Bit of a hole there, but you can live with that. And that's just how it would go. He, he's going to get legitimate money if he gets a contract from the Jets. I would say looking at, you know, the Jets history, uh, we've had a couple of instances where, you know, we brought in, you know, um, veteran type um, offensive linemen, you know, like the, the Alan Fanicas and, you know, uh, the Damian Woodies. So I would say if we was to get someone like Moses, where would you rank uh, that signing in terms of um, what the Jets have done in the past? Yeah, it's a, it's a good comparison to bring up. And I think it would be kind of similar to a Damian Woody kind of player. Now, not Damian Woody was very, very good, bro. And he had mm. championship caliber experience. He had position versatility. He played center at one point in New England. He played, you know, obviously right tackle for the Jets. But I think Moses is, is on, you know, with Fanica and Woody, I wouldn't say this about Woody. I thought when Woody got here, he was just as good of a player. I think with Fanica, he was on the tail end of his career where you were seeing a drop-off. Mo- and Fanica was still good, don't get me wrong. Fanica was one of the best guards I've ever seen play. So his drop-off was like still better than a lot of other guys. With yeah. Moses, I think you're getting a player that is still ascending and, you know, would be more on that Damian Woody spectrum where – you think he could be here for two to three years, power the ground attack, be a stalwart on the right side, knock on wood, but a guy that just does not miss time. And man, I can't express to fans enough availability in the NFL is a coach's favorite trait because coaches, the hardest part of game planning these days is you can't game plan for the unexpected. And that most of the time is injuries. And a lot of times injuries are out of, out of your control. But for an offensive lineman, sometimes they're not, right? You just look at it, and some guys are just built entirely different and just don't get banged up. Now, you could always get rolled up on or something like that that happens. But Moses has been very reliable. So I think when you look at it, this would be this would be a big deal to me. And I don't say that a lot about Jets summer signings or late spring. I think this would be a legitimate move. If you, if you have Becton, AVT, and Moses, those are three cornerstones on your line for at least the next three to four years, in my opinion. Now, Moses would probably get – two years of guaranteed money here. So that, that could go a different direction, but the ideal is you really have a foundation and, and something to build upon that is legit can develop into the top 10 rushing attack in the league. Right. And I think I agree with you on that one. Um, also about Crowder's deal. Um, what, what made JD uh, do a pay cut with, with Crowder and also um, it, why, why Crowder was willing to take it? Right. Great questions, because you look at it, it's not as simple as, you know, you make it people make it out to be where it's just about, uh, you know, penny pinching. It's that's not and I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> I think number one, it was leverage. And that's how the NFL goes. When free agency door opens, players, a lot of good players have leverage. And that's why Jamison Crowder got a, a fat contract when he was a free agent from the Jets. Carl Lawson, Corey Davis, when those free agency door opens, you got to pay up. Now, yes. the problem is when, when you're not owed any guaranteed money on that contract and people aren't really looking for slot receivers right now or willing to pay big for a slot receiver right now, and you don't even necessarily need one yourself, well, then the player loses all the leverage. That's why these guys should always get their money up front. And Crowder did get a lot of good money up front, but that, that time's up. So the Jets had the leverage to get the money back where they got him to take a 50% pay cut from $10 million to $5 million. And in return... The Jets guaranteed, that's why they structure contracts this way. The Jets guaranteed a lot of that money. So Crowder gets a guaranteed, what, $5 million when he had an unguaranteed 10. So a little bit of a, a win there for him. Not great, but still somewhat of a win. He obviously likes it here because like you hinted at, why did he take it? Well, it's the job of his representation to figure out what's on the outside. And of course they can't tamper, but guess what? A lot of teams, a lot of people in this league do. <laughs> they probably sense that his market didn't exist beyond maybe a 2.5 to $3 million deal, something along those lines out there. So wow. 
Yeah, I mean, that's my, my estimate. I, I don't know if he would have gotten the full $5 million guaranteed on the external free agent market. And maybe somebody would have surprised us, but I, it just doesn't seem like that. He, he would have left if he thought he could have got that, in my opinion, especially the target share he's dealing here with now with Elijah Moore. So now why the Jets did it, of course, besides to save money, well, now you actually have – he's tradable at the trade deadline. Now, these things don't happen very often in the NFL – but you, you can't trade a slot receiver at the trade deadline because, it, you know, that's making $10 million. And, of course, that's prorated because some time has passed, but still a lot of money right. because the contenders don't have cap space. They never do. The Chiefs run it up to the end. The Bucks run it up to the end. These teams run it up to the end. So And they don't want to take on that kind of money. So now you cut the money in half. It's $5 million. Figure it's prorated. Whatever, figure by the trade deadline, that's what, $2.8, $3 million. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. That's very tradable. Even if you get back a fifth-round pick or whatever it is, it, it's, it reminds me of the Avery Williamson situation last year. You got him to take the pay cut. You dump him for a day three pick at the trade deadline. It, it, Joe, we might be learning something about Joe Douglas's veteran strategy here. I guess following up on that, um, I was going to say, what, what do you think the – I guess the productivity that's, that's been being reported in, uh, from the uh, OTAs in regards to, you know, Elijah Moore, you know, excelling and um, Braxton Barrios, you know, you know, coming up and making plays um, in OTAs. How much do you think that factored into um, the decision to, uh, for Crowder to stay? Well, yeah, it's tough, right? Because Moore has been the star of, it sounds like OTAs across the league, not just Jets OTAs. I see more national Elijah Moore love uh, than anywhere else. So it, it's clear he has a big role as a rookie or some kind of role as a rookie when he was probably thought as an afterthought behind Crowder as a rookie. So I think that, you know, Crowder's got a good mindset. And I've always said this about Crowder. He's very, very good for the receiver room. He, he doesn't have a loser's mindset where he's going in. You know, and it's human nature to when you get older and you see a younger guy coming in and you know the team might lean that way and you're on the way out. But Crowder's the kind of guy that he just shows up and gets it done and they, they're going to they're gonna need him, right? I mean, you're not going to throw Elijah Moore out there for 90% of the snaps every week. And maybe we see that by week 10 or whatever, but you're not going to do that week one. You need a veteran that can find the soft spot of the zone, that can move the chains, that Zach Wilson can lean on. And, and Moore will be that guy. He will. He's that good. But Crowder can do that instantly. And, you know, I know Corey Davis is there. He has four years in the league. You know, but this is a young receiver. Room. you got year two Denzel Mims, year one Elijah Moore. Braxton Berrios, still a very young player. Uh, I think this is year three for him. I mean, this is a situation where you, you kind of need a veteran in that room. And for Corey Davis, you know, he could, he's going to be that guy. but. I don't know if you want that on his shoulders right now coming in as the new guy. I think Crowder being there is kind of the old head that, you know, he, he's just, he's the veteran presence that room needs and he'll teach these guys a lot of different things and he'll get Elijah more ready to be the dude going forward. And, and maybe that's something Crowder was, was willing to own, right? Like everyone's different. And I, I have a lot of different stories about quarterbacks in the league that, you know, do, do, or don't want to do that. And, and some guys love it and some guys will not do it. And you know, Josh McCown was a great example of one. Josh McCown wanted to come here knowing that he would be the mentor of a rookie quarterback. And that's something. So, you know, everyone's built different. I can't speak for Jamison Crowder, but the fact that he stayed uh, speaks volumes to the type of veteran he is. Right. And to me, it's just, you know, says a lot, you know, just for Crowder to stay here and it gives a lot of chance, you know, especially with the way how the office was last year. Um, so that goes into... The, the, um, my next question, which was, um, it seems like the, the plan for Joe Douglas uh, um, in the offseason was to protect Zach Wilson and to give him the weapons to succeed at any means necessary. Is there any guys on the defensive um, side that you're looking forward to, um, looking forward to watching? Well, yeah, I mean, on, on the defensive side specifically? Yeah, just just any just any players, just any player, because it seems like in offense, like it seems like they, yeah. they kind of set, you know. So it seems like the defense, we we still have questions on the defensive yeah. side. 
Absolutely. I think you're right. They put a ton of assets into the offense and thank God they did. Right. I think that was, right. that was a no brainer. <laughs> I, I mean, this is a little biased, this one. And it's, it's a lot of people are going to say duh, because he got $15 million a year to come here. But I have loved Carl Lawson since he stepped foot on Auburn's campus. And he has really just until he finally got a huge fridge and contract has been one of the most overlooked players across any level of football. He was an absolute powerhouse as an edge rusher coming out of Auburn. I had him in the first round that year. He gets goes in the fourth round because he, I believe he had a medical issue with his hip that was detected by a couple teams, or at least yeah. that's the rumor I had heard. And that doesn't slow. He comes in, he has eight and a half sacks as a rookie fourth rounder for the Bengals. Sure. He had what five and a half last year, but he, he's always in the top of the league in pressures. He's a real deal disruptor. And Robert Sala is going to unlock the best version of Carl Lawson playing next to Quentin Williams, who was one of the best young interior defensive linemen in the league last year. I think Lawson, if he stays healthy, gets into the double digit sack range for the first time in his career. And wow. the Jets are going to the Jets are going to give up a lot of big passing plays with a young secondary uh, new defense. They're going to give up some big plays. It's going to happen. But if they have a front four that gets after the quarterback consistently and a guy on the edge that can give you 10 to 12 sacks, couple strip sacks, big plays, turnovers, that makes all the difference in the world for your team. And I, and I really think Carl Lawson is that guy playing next to Quinn and Williams. I guess speaking of the young guys, uh, we, we spoke on an episode, as I mean, Davin before, um, we brought up the, the top, uh, the top guys um, under 25 and, you know, Beckton and uh, Quentin Williams made that list. So uh, we had talked briefly about it. I just want to get your take on, you know, those two guys making the list. Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously that's, they should, they earned that. I think, you know, the sky's the limit for Becton. I've always said this, that he has a huge ceiling, but there's always going to be that floor there because he needs to stay healthy and manage the weight. And I think he's shown that he comes in and works hard, but it's just tough when you're that big of a human being. Becton had flashes last year where he was amazing for a rookie. I mean, there was flashes to me where I go, wow, this could be Trent Williams a couple of years from now. Like that, those kind of flashes where you're like, this is just crazy. The brute power, the explosiveness for that size. So I think he's somebody that the sky is the limit. And with Quinton, I'm a believer that his rookie year, he was nursing some, he either came back from the ankle too quick. He never looked like the guy at Alabama that was unblockable. And then all of a sudden his second year in the NFL, that's exactly who he was. So it's like, okay, something was wrong his first year in the NFL. I think it was injury related. It's great for Quinnen that it all clicked. Uh, he's a great disruptor. He's an elite run defender. He's quick off the ball. Uh, he's, he takes on double teams. He opens opportunities up for the guys around him. And once again, that comes back to Carl Lawson. Uh, you know, Quinnen is, Quinnen is a lock as a top guy that's under 25 in the league. Makai, the flashes, he could be the best offensive tackle in that category. The under 25 guys very quickly. He's not there yet. He needs to have a, you know, obviously just a healthy year, but it's exciting when you watch him. Agreed. Yeah. Um, just, just for, just from your take, um, I'm going to give Joe Douglas a pass um, on his first season because, you know, he came in an aware situation, but now that we saw him in the offseason, um, how do you think he did with, with the way how he handled the free agency and the way how he did the draft, how he did in the draft? I think he did a good job. I, I particularly loved the draft. Um, I think that I, I didn't love day three of the draft, but, <laughs> I, you know, Michael Carter was a great pick. After that, I felt like they kind yeah. of took a lot of corners that really were guys I didn't project in the spots. It's, it's honestly a lot of up and down because then I had Nasrul Dean as a third rounder and they got him in the sixth. And, and this is just my opinion. I could be just as wrong and Joe Douglas could be right. You know, when it comes down to it, I, I thought Pinnock was a bit of a reach and it's hard to expect him to come in and start, but we'll see how that goes. You know, he didn't start until his last year at Pitt. He gave up a lot of big plays. So we'll see, you know, we'll see. And I, so I think, they didn't do anything at corner and I can't express this enough. It's going to be a long year for the jets at corner. That's just how it's, it's going to be. You're not going to build Roman a day, but 
that to me is okay. If you're going to look over something, that was the spot because he did a great job, you know, addressing the offensive line by getting AVT and maybe he's not done. If he gets Morgan Moses, this grade goes up big time. And I think that he, the most important thing Joe Douglas did was not make the same mistake the previous regime made with Sam Darnold. And that's, we're taking Zach at two. Now we need, you know, what we think's a Pro Bowl guard and what we think is a Pro Bowl receiver and a potentially committee starting and running back. And he got all three of those things in the draft. And that's, that's really well done. That's really well done. And I like the Corey Davis signing. Great run blocker. Great contested catch guy. You guys know how I feel about Carl Lawson. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think overall they, they did a re- he did a really nice job. And honestly, it's going to come down to two things for Joe Douglas. Did he get the coaching hire right? Well, for everybody, it's very easy to root for Robert Sala. I really hope he did. And right. did he get the quarterback right? Those things can lift one another, right? Like if you get the quarterback kind of wrong, but you got a great head coach, you, you might, one might be able to lift the other. If you get the quarterback right, but the coach is struggling, the quarterback can go out and win you games. So those are the two things to me that above all else will matter the most. But I, Zach Wilson was my second-ranked quarterback, and Robert Sala was one of my favorite head coaching candidates going back to the year before. So if he's wrong, then I was wrong. So if you're just asking me, I think, I think Joe Douglas did a really nice job, honestly. And you know, off an era where it must have been very tough to work with Adam Gase, but he, the, it, you could see there this staff with him way more in sync this year. Yeah, so now I agree to it. Um, I know we're running out of time, but you kind of um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you can let the people know where they can follow you. Yeah, I'm at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. Um, you know, doing the Badlands pod if you like any of the Jets stuff. Me and Joe Caparoso do that. And then all my draft work is uh, my draft work is at Bleacher Report all year round. So there's uh, plenty of places, plenty of things to do. And I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always good to talk to you guys. Yeah, thank yeah, you so much. Good. And hopefully we thank can you. get you back maybe preseason or after preseason when your schedule is not too busy. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Get, get me on during uh, preseason because if I'm on the road this year again, now that the pandemic is hopefully coming to an end in a lot. There'll be another fun college football season, a normal college football season, but, but definitely down to come back on. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Thank you so much. And, um, and then we'll, we'll be right back after the message. Well, welcome back to the episode. Um, when we did that interview with Connor Rogers, it was that Friday morning, which was which was funny because we spoke it into existence. And then that Friday afternoon, early evening, all of a sudden we get news that Morgan Moses has signed with the Jets for one year, $3.6 million that could potentially be $5.3 million if he plays 80%, um, 80%, I guess, of the season. So that was very interesting. Uh, JD, for what we heard, um, JD did try to sign him for a multi-year, multi-year uh, deal, but Morgan Moses turned it down and only signed for one year. So, Kyle, what you what you think about that, and why did he turn down the multi-year deal? Yeah, that's it. for me. I think it's you know it's a it's a great signing because at the end of the day, um, I believe based on, you know, just his history in terms of being uh, consistent in terms of playing, you know, and being available. I think he only missed like two games or something like that for his career. Right. Um, like, I think like I said, that's definitely great for us in which also, if you're looking down the line, um, uh, Fant, you know, obviously still going to, would obviously still be here, um, would be a definite upgrade my opinion to either uh, Doga or um, McDormand, you know, in terms of that backup uh, swing tackle position. So right. I'm definitely happy about the signing. And I would say just because I would say for him in terms of turning down the multi-year deal, it might have something to do with, you know, this being a, a totally revamped team you know, new coach, new, you know, starting quarterback, lots of new pieces. 
So I, I believe maybe he just did the one year deal to just, you know, play under this situation and see exactly, you know, how productive he can be with this, this team and this new system. And then based on that, you know, he'll be 31 next year and can probably get, you know, maybe a two, three year deal based on how well he plays, you know, for much more money than, uh, you know, the possible, the potential five and a half million he's getting this year. Yeah. And I'm going to say this since Ryan Ramzik signed his big deal earlier today, which was a five year, 96 million, 60 million guarantee, which is the highest pay right tackle in the NFL right now. I think Moses have a smile on his face. <laughs> the reason why I say this is because what if he plays this whole season and does great? His next deal could be twice as much as that $5.3 million deal. The market is getting higher for the tackles. So I feel like it's just getting started, especially now that the pandemic is slowing down a little bit and all the fans are coming back. So you know that the salary cap is going to be higher as the years move along. And also, this is not a loss for fan. Um, he will still be used on plenty of plays. So hopefully, you know, we'll know more about, you know, how they'll use Fant and Moses in that Jets offense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say the only thing I would say, I don't know if, you know, being the, the age thing, because, you know, with Ramsey, you know, he's only played four years. He's still, you know, he's like mid-20s, a young guy. Yeah. And he's getting that contract coming off of, you know, being an all-pro you know, first team all pro in um, 2019. So Correct. that's a, that's a definitely, you know, a big bargaining chip when you go to the table to, to ask for that type of money, you know, with Moses, you know, being on the, the downside of 30, you know, I, I can definitely see him, you know, getting more money than what he's getting, but I don't know, you know, how much more based on his age. Yeah. And like I said, this this could work out. This could work out for Moses. Like I said, if he does do play more than 80 percent of the season, which is 17 games, I would think it will be uh, 12th or maybe between uh, maybe 13, 14 games. I would say and if it works out for him, it, it can it can open up for a new deal. And just like you said, but it can open up for more money since, like I said, the salary cap is going to go higher than what it is. It might not be as high next year, but it'll get higher maybe in the next two or three years that if, if, if they have to go like six, seven million, then will you take the gamble to make it to give them a little bit more? Like kind of like George Fant when J.D. signed George Fant, you know, all of us was was mad as hell about the deal, <laughs> but, you know, like. Like it's that's the way how it is in today's game. You know, right. you're gonna you're gonna take your tips and put them on the table, or you're just gonna hold hold out <laughs> and and see if it's a hit or miss. Right. So it's it's very interesting on on this topic. But um, thank you know again, shout out to Connor Rogers for for doing that interview with us earlier. Um, I think we I think I think we all hit a mark on it, and we just spoke it into existence and. It's great that the team that, you know, JD is really focusing on protecting Wilson because we definitely, we, we definitely will want to see our quarterback play for more than two, three years, you know, hopefully 10, 15, <laughs> you yeah. know? So yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see that, but, let, but let's move along to the, um, the tight end camp. Uh, we see Hurden, um, Hurden signed up for camp. Uh, tight end camp, which is hosted by George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and Greg Olson. Um, it's a lot of tight ends that actually actually is going to that tight end camp, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And also, um, Tyler Croft is is basically emerging as maybe a potential starting uh, tight end. So, how would how would how would the how would tight end camp help hurting um, be better as a tight end, but also what what can you see as Croft being um, um what can you see from Croft as he emerges on being that that starting tight end for that offense? Yeah, I said um I'm interested to see like how this whole tight end battle you know does go down. Right. Um, I can see I know the based on I guess uh what 
what Croft brought to, you know, the table last year in Buffalo, mm -hmm. you know, being, you know, a, a decent blocker and, you know, just being a serviceable guy um, with the weapons that we already have on, you know, on the outsides and in the slots, you know, with the, you know, the wide receivers that we have. Yeah. Um, like I can see, you know, having that type of guy being more, um, more in line with what we need the offense to be. As right. I said, to me, Herndon, to, to me, Herndon was more like a, a, a stretch the field uh, type of guy. Um, you know, I think it was a, his, was it rookie year where, Yes. You know, he came out and he he played pretty well. You know, fast. I still remember that that one-handed catch he had in Green Bay, which was you know absolutely the best plays out the season. <laughs> like he snags it with one hand and gets hit as soon as the ball touches him and still holds on to the ball. You know, and I think he like he converted a third down on that play. So yeah, you know stuff like that. You you know he had the potential, and I think you know with him going into you know the the tight end you with with you know with those marquee type tight ends that's there to, you know, pass down the, the knowledge to the, to the younger guys. I said, it can definitely benefit him, you know, you know, in the long run, even if, you know, down the line, the, the Jets decide to, you know, go a different direction with tight end because mm -hmm. we don't know exactly, you know, what the effects of two years of Adam Gase is really going to, you know, you know, show in terms of his productivity this year. So, right. you know, I, I I hope that, you know, you know, the camp comes around and, and maybe helps him a little bit more, you know, to maybe get back, maybe if he had a confidence issue, get some of that back, because I definitely see him as, you know, you know, offensive threat, you know, in the right situation. But, you know, I guess we have to wait until, you know, preseason, you know, I mean, and camp, you know, to open up to see exactly, you know, what we have with them. Uh, before I before I speak speak on before I speak on this subject, just a quick question: Is it true that Adam Gaze um, accepted the job at Michigan High School, one of the Michigan <laughs> high schools? No, um, no, I think right. Like, so I saw someone post about it, and then the same source posted again. I think maybe like two hours later, and saying that it wasn't true, which. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm very ecstatic for those kids because I don't think they deserve. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> have, you know, to have such a, a a person, you know, leading them because, like, I I just don't think he's a good leader. You know, what I mean, like to me, I think he's more of a behind the scenes guy that you you want maybe in your in your think tank, but yes. you don't want him being the guy leading and making decisions for you. I don't think that's his forte. Yeah, because a lot of fans was posted it earlier that he accepted a job as an offensive coordinator for um for for a job, basically one of them high schools in Michigan. And I was just scratching my head. I was like, what? What? I was like, wow, like gays really downgrade, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's you know, it's good that the that you know the kids don't have to, to deal with that and it's no shade, but you know, we you know, that's the last thing the kids need to go to college and you know and and kind of be down downsided, you know, maybe <laughs> down on themselves that they they can that they don't have that potential to do it in college because they had an asshole coach, excuse my language, an <laughs> a-hole coach that that's talking down on them. So yeah, that's good. But but back to the original topic. Um it's very interesting because Croft is Croft has an opportunity to be a tight end that can uh play the first and second down blocking for the for the running backs and maybe get some downs to um to get some catches from Wilson now also for Herding going to camp it's an opportunity to to hopefully shine like he did in this rookie season which I definitely agree with you because I definitely was was loving what I saw from Herding and I and I think and I think us fans saw his real potential we saw that potential and he just needed that that one quarterback that could take him on a on a higher level. And mm -hmm. and I saw and we saw the catches that we saw, the 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 routes he was doing. It was something like a little like Jimmy Graham, a little like Jimmy Graham before Graham 
did that wide receiver, changed the wide receiver with the Saints before he got traded to uh, Seattle. And and we and I saw the flashes here and there, but all I'm gonna say about that is um even with Griffin, because we still have Griffin too. Um mm-hmm. I, I can see all three of the tight ends being used in certain formations, like one play, here's Griffin, or we're gonna use we're gonna use Crawford for these next two plays. Oh, we 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 gonna um do a do a four verticals on a shotgun. And and we could get hurt in to to move with these with these guys because the guys are young, the guys are, are fast, you know. And when and when Salah said all gas no breaks, I I really believe that, you know. I don't know if you agree with me or not, Kyle, but you know that's that's just my take on on that. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, think about it. We're gonna. I think we're gonna at least have three guys. So right, Herndon, Croft, and Griffin. I can understand because um I believe they're making uh. They're carrying Wesco, but I don't think they're labeling him as a tight end. I think they're moving him as a fullback, uh, right? Right, right. So I can definitely see all three of those guys, you know, still being on the team and and contributing, you know, this season. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see um, how how, uh, Mike LaFleur used, used those guys, you know, because it's not like we, this is, this is not like, you know, um, Austin Jenkins, you know, dropping, dropping balls and everything. <laughs> He's the three guys that could, that could, that, that has that potential. And it's all, all on Michael Ford and how that office will, because it's not just going to be dumb. It's also going to be the wide receivers, Mems, um, Mems, yeah, it was Mems, Davis, Moore, and Cole, you know, we, we, we actually got, a, a good wide receiver tight end tandem to where we could we could actually be be happy as Jets fans, you know. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, the offense is vamped up. The defense still still needs some vamping up a little bit. But you know, as Jets fans, we need to we need to take that as a W because when's the last time the Jets actually revamped revamped this team all together? So right. it's, it's been it's been a real while. So I just wanted to I just wanted to say that like I, I know I know it's not how people want it, but at the same time they they are doing the job and they doing a good job so far. So let's yeah, <laughs> right. So before we go into the next topic, um, Demarius Thomas, uh, he he's retiring as a Bronco. Uh, he done ten seasons. Uh, is there anything you want to say about uh, Demarius Thomas? Um, outside of, uh, I appreciate you know how it went down for us getting that extra pick so that they can pick up my my dude um, Nazardine this year because I think that the yeah. sixth round pick that you know we used to get him was mm-hmm. um, responsible you know in part responsible with um, a trade with um, Thomas so you know I'm 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 happy about that. You know, in terms of his career, you know, he had a, a, a decent career. I would say nothing to, um, you know, throw a parade over, but <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't particularly, you know, say that it was, you know, uh, it wasn't a, a productive career, you know, even if it was just on a, a smaller scale, you know, I, because at his time here in New York was, it was whatever. Man. <laughs> right. You know, it was just uh, to me like a passing through thing. So, you know, yeah. but uh, um, 10 years, you know, being in the league, which is, is definitely an accomplishment. So, you know, I pass off to him on his retirement. Yeah. Um, you know, Thomas, Thomas actually had had a, a decent, you know, good career. Five time pro bowler, um, two second team all pros. Uh, seven twenty-four receptions. Um, with seven nine, with sorry, nine thousand seven hundred sixty-three yards, sixty-three touchdowns. Um, will he make the Hall of Fame? To be honest, no. No. <laughs> and, and 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 we and we and none of us should should debate this, but no. Um, will he be remembered as one of the best wide receivers in Broncos history with Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey? Yes. This the man played good with Denver. You, let, let me remind you, Peyton Manning, even with Tim Tebow, he actually did real good. And, yeah. and he was really solid, 
you know, and I will give credit when credit is due. I'm so I'm not I'm not sitting here saying, well, he don't deserve this. He he will be he will be remembered as a Broncos wide receiver as it should be. Right. It should it, it as a Patriot, as a Jet, and you know, it just didn't work out. It didn't work out for him. And but with the Broncos, it definitely it definitely did, and and he shined. He's a Super Bowl champion too, so mm-hmm. at least at least they at least I think they'll they'll give him some type of reward down there with the Broncos. Like I said, as you know, with Ross Smith and Ed McCaffrey, you know, they, they those are the those are the two Broncos, you know, best wide receivers in my opinion. So. Is you know putting him there with them two is is to me it's like okay you know that's that's the credit that he deserves so you know hats off to you um, wish you nothing but the best in you know your 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 career um, maybe we'll see you on TV soon who knows but hats hats off to you man let's talk about um, David DiCastro and uh, Trey Turner um, DiCastro got released by the Steelers. Um, and then all of a sudden they signed Trey Turner for one year, three million dollar deal. Uh, we we spoke we you know we spoke about this off air, Kyle. Um, what what um, could you give? Because they because of course Jets fans wanted him, but it was more to it as as you as you enlightened me a little bit on on his situation could you let the fans know about the situation and probably why jd won't sign him yeah um what it was reported is that um the castro was going to end up having a season-ending surgery so in mm-hmm. releasing him they also i think uh got back like eight million dollars to their cat which was definitely needed but i think they they only had about uh i think maybe like six or seven million so that money you know for releasing him for a guy that you know wasn't going to play this year at all you know, due to surgery you know it only made sense and then to have the quick turnaround you know to to get turner i believe that was definitely in the works for some time i think maybe they were just waiting to hear exactly what the diagnosis was going to be for you know, the surgery before they pulled the trigger because it was literally like right after the release that they signed Turner. So uh, I'm believing that, you know, that was probably the, the, the case at hand. Yeah. And uh, the market for Turner is low because he hasn't played the full season six, since 2016 when he was with the Panthers. And yes, he started 13 games from year. 2017 and 2019 the last season only only played nine and we don't know what to and the Steelers don't know what to expect from him so this is a this could be a win-win situation for the Steelers because if he does do good with that offensive line that could protect uh Big Ben because we know Ben is at the and and close to the end of his rope so so he's gonna need that protection so if Turner can go back to a Pro Bowl when when he was with the in the Pro Bowl, then that'd be good. That'd be good for the Steelers. But as for um, Castro, um, if retirement was his option after uh, surgery, then he will he will go out having actually a good career. Um, two first team All Pros, one second team All Pro, six time Pro Bowler, and and he did what he had to do, you know. And and but if he does decide that he's comes and comes back after surgery i could actually see him sign into a super bowl contender because he's he 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 is getting up there in age and if he if he wants to he could say listen i just want to win super bowls now and i want to help and i just want to help a team you know win the super bowl so these are my so these are my choices you know when you're when you did when he did what he did and signed that and signed that deal, he got his money. Now when they turn when they turn that age thirty or over thirty, they they think more about Super Bowls. They want their money, and they know that's not going to be easy because it's rare that they can they can still they can still be a superstar or play elite over the age of thirty. 
So, like I said, I if if it was if it's me, I'm gonna I'm going to say that he's gonna go to a Super Bowl contender, and don't just don't be surprised. And maybe maybe it be the Chiefs. Who knows? Maybe it be the Ravens. <laughs> you you know, it it'll be a Super Bowl contender team. It'll be a team that can potentially win a Super Bowl. So we'll we'll be on the lookout and when we find out more, we'll let y'all know. And and of course we of course Kyle done spice spice it up because we got our mm-hmm. last topic for for the uh episode. Um Greg Castle from uh ESPN and NFL films analyst compared Josh Allen to former Broncos great John Elway and he also had some some interesting things to say which was oh man I don't even want to say it. Well, <laughs> Josh Allen is the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL right now so because me and Kyle actually disagree I'm going to let you say I'm going to let you uh explain why <laughs> this is very debatable yeah, I'd say to to say to come out to say that he's the most, you know, to me just doesn't it doesn't do credit for the guys or you know play respect to the guys you know like the you know the the Jacksons and the Mahomes you know who yeah. had the Super Bowl ring already to say you know to bring that to the table you know just just from Mahomes alone like. What play have you seen Josh Allen make that even comes close to Mahomes throwing damn near a perfect strike being horizontal to the field? Correct. Like something like that, you know, speaks to, you know, having physical gifts. I would say if anything, the only thing he would have on most of the guys that's in the league that, you know, that shares similar traits is the fact of his size you know he's a he's a really big quarterback you know to mm-hmm. to have the moves that he has but outside of that I wouldn't say he has the strongest arm I wouldn't say he's the fastest you know so yeah I'm not and then you know like to put it out there to say in the same sentence put John Elway's name with him makes it even more ridiculous you know understanding Agreed who John Elway is, you know? <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. And one other quarterback that I actually want to bring up, and I don't care if anybody wants to hear this from me, it's Deshaun Watson. Watson Watson finds ways to make plays and, and can still bring that ball up the field. And we saw it last season with, with, a, with a bad O-line. Offense not great, and he still put up almost MVP like numbers. Right, you know, and so let's so let's not try to sit here and not give Watson the credit because if it's anything, I I'm going with Watson over Josh Allen. Um, I think we spoke on this before. We said Josh Allen need to work on his accuracy. And he got his number one wide receiver, which was which is Diggs, which was a great trade, which was right. a, gr- a great trade. And and I remember episode one hundred, and I spoke to Connor, and I and and Connor, me and Connor agreed that if he if Josh Josh has that wide receiver, we expect him to to do great things, and that's what he did. Now, will Josh Allen? Now, the test for him for this season is: is he going to be able to do that again? And I don't, I don't think so because the schedule this season is tougher than last season. Last season was kind of like, uh, but this season is. Now we get to see these teams work and and see what what really happens, because it's not you know it's not it's not like oh okay we know they could beat this team and and their defense is fantastic in the offense and they still need to work on a run the running game a little bit but right i i i don't i don't think Josh Allen will able to be able to do what he did last season he'll he'll still put up numbers but i don't see i don't see him doing it this season yeah and i said the fact that you touched on that, that to me the fact that they didn't 
um, outrightly um, address or to me improve the, the running game is where I think they're going to have problems in this upcoming season because now they have the tape to understand what Josh Allen is capable of in this new system. You know, they have a full season of seeing him. So now they can prepare for it a little bit better. So if they don't incorporate some sort of, you know, running balance into it, like I, I don't see them having the same success. I, I, and I definitely agree to that. And it's, and it is, and it is hard, and it is hard to say. Now, when I compared the, when I just compared Watson's numbers to Josh Allen's numbers, it's it's almost identical. It's like literally, it's almost identical. Like Josh Allen, um, four thousand five hundred forty-four passing yards, thirty-seven touchdowns, ten interceptions, with a rating of one hundred seven point two, MVP like numbers. But Watson, 4,823 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions with a rating of 112.4. And he's doing this with... Trash. <laughs> Thank you. Cooks. <laughs> like, what was it? Cooks? Um, did Fuller get suspended or, or no, was he injured? No. You know, Fuller only plays about six to seven games a season. Correct. So. Correct. I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm, I'm not speaking crazy. Uh, I would say one one even more to like to add to it. He had former Jet wide receiver Chad Hansen looking like an all pro those last couple of games he started in, in Houston. So that's Correct. just the level of talent that the guy has. Is <laughs> exactly and and that's why I that's why um that's why I'm like if anything Deshaun Watson deserves his his credit and I and I get that he's going through things but. When Watson is on that field, he he is definitely to me a top three quarterback right now, and that's right. in my opinion. It's it's my opinion. Maybe y'all feel differently, but he's a he's top three. Yeah, my my three would be um, Watson, Mahomes, and Brady. And I hate to say Brady name, but Brady. But we know why. We know what Brady does. But it will be Mahomes, and then it will be Watson because Watson definitely deserves his credit. Now, when now when it comes to four to ten, maybe we'll we'll do that soon on another episode. That's going to be very interesting because we might me and Kyle will definitely probably have a different take on and why. <laughs> but but other than that, that's it for our episode. Make sure you uh well about to say make sure make sure you follow us on Twitter at Just Fans Podcast. If you have any questions, y'all can email us at nyjustfanspodcast, the number one at gmail.com. And also you can you can uh find us on Facebook at NYJustfans. We do this for y'all every week. Until next time, we'll take a flight. Mm-hmm.